It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pantidra. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of Beyond Zero Show, recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. It is also podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au and whatever podcasting app you choose to use. You can also follow us on Twitter at bzetechshow. My name is Kay and my co-hosts today are Laura and Mike. Hello. Hi there. Good morning, Kay. Today we will be talking with Associate Professor Kondo Francois Aki Zinzu. He's leading the Material Energy Research Laboratory in Nanoscale, Merlin, at the University of New South Wales. His research is focused on the physical chemistry of light metals and their hydrides at nanoscale. His research group is aiming at designing first-generation materials capable of storing energy of at least three times the density of your phone battery in the next 10 years. He's also developing novel technologies for the effective conversion of CO2 into synthetic fuels and the effective utilisation of enzymes to catalyse hydrogen-based reaction in novel fuel cell systems. During the last four years, Associate Professor Agwe Sinzu has secured over $3 million in grant funding and established a hydrogen research laboratory unique to the Australian scene. He has published extensively in high-ranking journals and has strong links with industry. Good morning, Professor Francois. How are you today? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Before we start off these interviews, we'd like to um, ask you, firstly, how did you become interested in renewable energy and energy efficiency? Well, I finished my PhD in, uh, in 2000. Actually, I did my PhD in France at the University of Pierre and Marie Curie. And so I was looking for... I love doing research, so I was looking for where I could use my scientific skill to help society already. And then I come across the hydrogen problem, and I first started to work on that in Germany in 2003. And since uh, I've been working on trying to help solve this problem and bring a solution that uh, people could use. And can you give me a brief overview about your work in the and leading the Material Energy Research Laboratory in nanoscience at UNSW? Yeah, so typically when you think about hydrogen, the big idea behind this is, can we find a substitute for oil? Mm. Uh, We know that oil resources are finite, okay? So there is some debate around the peak oil and so forth, but with oil, we do many things. We provide energy, but also we manufacture a lot of goods like plastics, drugs, and so forth. So the big question is, can we look for a substitute for oil? And this is where hydrogen can come in, because hydrogen has a very high energy density. But when you start looking at the way you could use hydrogen, you are confronted with a a problem, because hydrogen is a light gas. So the volumetric density of this gas is very low. A good reason we know that is, for example, uh, if you want to fly balloons around, so the first balloons were actually flown with hydrogen. So the problem we are trying to solve in my lab is how we can compact this hydrogen 
in a safe manner. So, for example, a five-meter balloon, we can compact that in just five liters or 20 liters. And for this, we are trying to develop materials that can store hydrogen in a very compact fashion. And uh, we are trying to develop very advanced materials, for example, that could store enough hydrogen so you could run a car for 1,000 kilometers without refueling. And the only emission that could, would come out of the pipe tail is water. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many re- researchers are in your team and what area of study do they come from? For example, material scientists, mechanical engineers? Mainly in my group, uh, we have chemical engineers, so we are a school of chemical engineering. And what we are really focusing on is the materials. So I've got about 10 people working with me on on this problem in my research group, PhD students, master's students. And they are coming from different places. Uh, They are coming from China, from Europe. So we have collaboration with Europe also, or the US. Mm -hmm. So moving on to your recent position in the Eureka Prize, you're one in three finalists for the 2015 ANSTO Eureka Prize for Innovative Use of Technology. How was this experience and what opportunities does the media exposure provide for your research group? Uh, actually, we were very pleased to be shortlisted for the Eureka Prize, so this is very honorific. And really what we got from this is a bigger exposure of the research we do and the importance of the research you do. You know we are in Australia, often uh, money that is spent, public money that is spent for research is seen as a waste of money, but in fact it's not a waste. What we do is very important for society because we are trying to provide solutions for society where society can have a better life, living with clean energy. So this is what we are aiming for. So that was a big recognition for us and we were very pleased with that. Fantastic. So moving on to the hydrogen storage, which is what it's all about. Why is it so difficult to store hydrogen? The thing is that um, there are different ways you can store hydrogen. So you can compress it. And this is a well-known technology. So typically you, uh, you try to compress the hydrogen and you can put that in a bottle. And the maximum pressure you can compress hydrogen at is 700 times the atmospheric pressure because after comes problem of size of the storage tank and so forth and the weight of it. So you don't gain in energy density. You can also liquefy the, the hydrogen, and for this you need to go to minus 250 degrees C. So that's pretty cold, to be honest, and you need to keep the hydrogen there. So that's not a very energy efficient way of doing it. The best solution is actually to use material, and there have been materials that have been developed in the 70s that can store a fair bit of hydrogen. And those materials are much safer than compressing or liquefying because you cannot actually have the hydrogen exploding because the material controls the rate at which the hydrogen is released. So what we are, what has been driven more recently uh, hydrogen research is the Bush call in uh, 2003 to have a hydrogen car running in, uh, in California. And this has been the main focus, but really hydrogen can be used for many different things. And with the material we have developed now, and we have shown that with the bicycle we have developed in my lab, with the material we, are developed, we have developed, we can already run uh, application on hydrogen. What we are looking at is developing better material that can store more hydrogen in a, in a safer way. So as I mentioned before, we could have uh, uh, with 60 kilograms of, uh, of the new material we are developing in, in my lab, 
maybe in 30 years' time, if our research is successful, we could run a car for 1,000 kilometers without refueling. Or we could store enough energy for, from a solar panel, from a rooftop, so you could have energy to run during winter time or when the sun is down. Hi, Professor Francois. It's Kay here. I was just wanting to get on to the high cycle, the low temperature, low pressure hydrogen storage that powers a motorised cycle bicycle over... I think it's about 120 kilometres on a single canister. Can you yes. tell us about that project and what your goals are there? Okay. One thing we started to realise, it's nice, we do a lot of research in our labs, and uh, what we wanted to start to do is to start to translate that research into a product that everybody can use. Usually uh, in the community, what has been developed is, was mainly focused as industry, so large-scale application. And we thought, okay, that's a great way of doing it, but what about if we choose a different route and we actually start to design things that everybody can use? So the bicycle is one of the first products we, we have designed, and the idea is for everybody to be able to have a, a nice ride on the bike. And what we have in this bicycle, actually what the hydrogen provides on this bicycle is a, is a range extender. So normally with a normal electrical bike, you will have a range of around 25 kilometers. With the hydrogen storage material that is on this bicycle, now you have a range of 125 kilometers. So that's about three times the, the normal range of an electrical bike. And the only thing coming out of this bike, again, is water. Uh, so this is something, a different route that we have started to approach. And we have in mind developing other type of product for the general public. So these things come, uh, becomes uh, common tools in life or common objects in life that everybody can use. Mm -hmm. And how much energy in what hours are stored and, and what's the efficiency? The amount of energy we store is about three times the amount of energy in a lithium-ion battery. Mm. So in that canister, we have about uh, 700 watt-hours of energy. I can't remember your, your next question. Uh, the, what sort of efficiency is it? Ah, yes, yeah, the efficiency. Typically, in, a, in, a, in an efficiency, you, you look at, uh, because the hydrogen here is used to, uh, to generate electricity from a fuel cell. So fuel cell is about 80% in terms of efficiency. So typically, the hydrogen is storage material has an efficiency of 100%. So the hydrogen is, is produced from an electrolyzer, so by splitting water. So this has an efficiency of about 70%. The storage of the material, it's not like a battery where you can have self-discharge and those kind of things. Here, the storage material, you can fully discharge it or fully recharge it, and it will do that for 30 to 40 years. It's not mm. like a battery that can do that for two or five years, depending on how you treat it. And then the fuel cell has an efficiency of about 80%. Your electrical motor will have an efficiency of about 90%. So typically, you are, you are running on this bicycle with high efficiency. Mm, that's very impressive. And how does it fit on the electric bike? Sorry? How does it actually fit onto the electric bike? Oh, that's quite simple. What, what we took is a normal electrical bike platform because we really wanted to show that uh, this is a technology that can be used uh, right now. So uh, the way it fits is uh, we just added a fuel cell to it. So just to give you a small reminder, a fuel cell is a device that recommends hydrogen and oxygen from the air to produce electricity. And on the side, we fitted a canister. So a hydrogen canister with filled with uh, a metal hydride. 
so one of the metro hydrides we have developed. And uh, with uh, this metro hydride is sitting on the side. So it takes about 30 minutes to recharge it, if you want, mm. or you can just swap the cartridge for another one and this just takes a few seconds. Mm. Again, that's very impressive compared to a normal battery-operated electric bike, isn't it? Yes, normally it will take six hours to recharge your battery on your electrical bike. Mm. So this is much more efficient way of doing it. Yeah. And what other advantages are there? Is it a low-cost option? Uh, because uh, the storage material uh, will last for several years without losing its storage capacity, its energy storage capacity. I think it's a better solution. Uh, also, uh, battery offer a compl- complementary solution. Uh, in terms of cost for this bicycle, you are looking at a retail price around $3,000. And uh, this bicycle will come up with uh, its personal hydrogen generator so that you can just plug in the wall, fill with tap water and recharge your cartridge in 30 minutes. So really what we are looking at is uh, providing the entire solution to to people so they don't have to wonder, where can I get my hydrogen or how can I do it? That's terrific. You're listening to the Beyond Zero radio show. Our guest today is Associate Professor Agi Zinzu from the University of New South Wales, and we're discussing his research into hydrogen technology. Professor Michael, again. Um, yes. The hydrogen generated for, for your example electric bike, is that being done any special way at the moment, or is it just you're buying commercial hydrogen to, as a demonstration project? We are just buying commercial hydrogen. Okay. And, and but, coming... Sorry. Yeah, but we have in mind of uh, developing a small electrolyzer to go with this bicycle. Mm, okay. So uh, coming to the uh, marketing side, how close is the product to market? I, I mean, I think if it was a reasonable price, I'd love to go out and buy one right now. Can I? Uh, we can actually build one for you. Uh, oh. We are looking for a commercial <laughs> partner who wants to uh, help us to manufacture that. So what we are missing now is a manufacturing process. And it seems to me, I've got a couple of your papers that are incredibly technical, but going right from your survey of all the metal hydrides and and a dozen other things through to um, your funding campaigns and um, producing YouTube videos, it looks like the life of an academic researcher is quite broad now. Yes, uh, I think it's important for us that... uh, uh, the general public understand that we are not wasting money, but actually we are using money for the good. And so I'm quite keen on showing that we actually uh, are doing something good with the with the research we are we are doing. So we are not just doing fundamental research or basic research just for the sake of it, but actually we are doing it because we are trying to help solve problems. Have you had any success with these um, YouTube videos and, and the crowdfunding? Uh, we raised about $8,000 with that, so way below our target, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we are planning to launch a new campaign next year. Do, do people get anything back if they invest in this, or is it just a feel-good that they're trying to help save the planet and, and make good things come to fruition? There are different ways people can get any, uh, something back, either as a tax rebate, mm-hmm. because we are a university, so uh, they can uh, give money and get a tax rebate, 
All the other solution is uh, is they give something. Uh, so for the next campaign, we we plan to to start next year to launch next year. Then we'll have some small incentives uh, in the form of uh, the hydrogen storage material we, we develop, or in the form of a bicycle, for example. Mm-hmm. So you've done this bicycle as a, a demonstration product, and and watching the YouTube video, it's it brings it home very very viscerally that that here's this little bike or bike with a little canister stuck on it it's just feeding the the hydrogen gas into a fuel cell um, water is the waste product and electricity is coming out and driving the bike but that is as i said just one example product um, i'd like to come back more broadly to the um uh, the issues of of hydrogen and the hydrogen economy and quoting a little bit from one of your papers it says Hydrogen is advantageous in many aspects. It has the highest energy density per unit of weight in comparison to any chemical. It's also non-polluting because, as we said, the uh, byproduct of combustion is water. It's in abundance since you can just make it from water. And the combination of hydrogen with fuel cells leads to efficient energy systems because the electrical system is the most efficient we have. Then, on the other hand, the major impediment has been there hasn't been a sensible and economically viable way to store hydrogen. Can you expand a little bit more on on your solution on this um, and your uh, metal hydrides and where you've gone with that research, please? Yes. You, in Australia, we are incredibly lucky and I think uh, people don't realise that and the government doesn't realise that because we have a lot of natural resources. Yes, there is some coal, yes, there is some natural gas, but there is also plenty of sun, and Australia is blessed for that, and the country is actually surrounded by water. So that's the two key ingredients for a hydrogen economy, water and renewable energy. And with that, we could actually generate clean energy, either to export or to run industry in the country in a clean way. This doesn't mean that you cannot still sell some coal or natural gas, but this just means that I think the time is right now so we can develop another path and another economy to bring new jobs to the country. So to come back to the application of that and how we could uh, move toward the hydrogen economy, we have already in the community, in my scientific community, developed materials that can help to solve the problem. The key is that the focus has mainly been on vehicle application. And yet, today, we don't have the a fantastic material that will allow you to drive 1,000 kilometers without refueling. We have material that will allow to drive a car for maybe 200 kilometers without refueling. And some government agencies, like the U.S. Department of Energy, have set targets that are much higher. But in reality, the driving range of people is around 80 kilometers per day. Mm-hmm. But they anyway. get this range anxiety if they don't know they can't. They can go for 500 kilometers easily. Yes, and the other problem which has been around is uh, you need to deploy a new infrastructure, so hydrogen refueling station on the road and so forth. Yep. This is why we started to take a different road and st- try to develop smaller products that people can use on an everyday basis. So to come back to uh, the feasibility of an hydrogen economy, uh, you can see it around the world. It's happening now. I was at the, we organized the World Hydrogen Technology Conference last week that was in Sydney, um, in the Australian Technology Park. And here we, Toyota brought for the first time in Australia their 
uh, Miracar car, which is uh, commercially available now, so you can buy a hydrogen car. Uh, uh, what, was it, what was that called, sorry? Mirai. Mi- uh, the Toyota Mirai. Oh, ah, yes, was, yeah. uh, Toyota. Launched in Australia uh, last week. Uh, we had the car from Hyundai also that has been launched a few months ago in Australia also. So the only thing really missing is uh, hydrogen infrastructure. On the other side, uh, there are countries like Japan that are looking at ways to import uh, clean energy, especially from Australia, in the form of hydrogen. So there is a huge potential for this country to be a key player in clean energy technology. And I think at the moment, nobody really understands that. Mm. This is understood by the scientific community, by a few people in industry, but it's not really understood by uh, many people across the government because everybody is missing out the big picture because we are focused on the past technology instead of looking at the future. Actually, you just gave us a beautiful segue. The, the, this is the BZE Science Program, and BZE are actually launching their energy superpower report on Monday night at Melbourne University, where it says... Australia can be an energy superpower for the Asian Asian region, um, using, as you say, all our natural resources. And so it's um, so germane what you're saying about, for example, exporting energy to Japan, um, in in this case, in the form of hydrogen. The the, um, Toyota you mentioned, is that using your technology? No, Toyota at the moment is using a Hyundai. All the car manufacturers are using pressurized tank at 700 bar, so 700 times the atmospheric pressure. Okay, so it's still the a reason, gas, it, but it's just highly pressurised, but yes. therefore still taking quite a lot of volume, therefore still, and also still got the explosion danger and not the energy density. Those tanks have been designed in such a way that uh, they are actually safe to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have time to well, go through the safety yes. issues. <laughs> I'm imagining you're not going to say they're not. but <laughs> uh, No, but uh, seriously, those tanks have been designed to withstand uh, extreme pressure and extreme stress. They've been designed uh, about seven years ago, so it's not it's technology that has been around and is, is very mature. And there are a range of safety uh, compounds uh, systems that have been put in place to make the technology safe. The only reason uh, materials are not used at this stage in those cars and are not used at this stage uh, in a real application is because there is no regulation. And this is a big problem for the implementation of the technology. We need to have government that start to implement regulation so we can release our product to the market for people to use. Okay. We've only got uh, actually less than two minutes left, unfortunately. Just to pick up your opening comment, you said with your technique, with storing it by associating the hydrogen with metal, did I get it correct that you could store all the hydrogen in a full balloon in 5 to 20 litre canister? Yes, this is what we are aiming for. So on the bike, we have a first generation of material. We are developing advanced generation of material in my lab now. And what we are aiming for is that typically what you see on the bicycle, that uh, 2 litre canister with the new generation of material we are developing, it won't take 2 litres, it probably will take... Uh, 0.1 liter, so 100 mm. milliliter to power the same bicycle. Wow. So with those type of material, you'll be able to run your car for 1,000 kilometers without refueling, probably power your mobile phone for one to two months before you charge it. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, store energy in your house in a similar way, yeah. so you can completely be off-grid and uh, potentially produce your own hydrogen to refill your car. Yeah. So I think there is a very exciting future 
ahead of us and a new way of uh, using energy. And this is where I get really excited. Yeah, and it opens up so many markets, doesn't it? There's one major point I I think we've uh, run out of time to discuss, but uh, you said that the metal hydrides were thought of in the um, 60s and 70s, but didn't really go anywhere. Your breakthrough, if I understand correctly, is the fact that you're using nanotechnologies to be able to store much more hydrogen and get it in and out fast enough and get at a low enough uh, temperature and pressure. Is that correct? Yes, we are developing new nanotechnology concepts so we can control. What is key is to control the, the strength, the bond strength between the hydrogen and the host material. So you want the hydrogen to bind, not too strongly, but not too weakly. Yep. So the material can absorb it and desorb it at room temperature. So you've got the Goldilocks solution. We are working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and Professor Francois, uh, where can people find out more information about you and the research that you're doing? Sorry? Where can students go to and other people listening to this show go to to find out more information on your research? Ah, yes, it's simple. They can go to our website, our group website, www.merlin.unsw.edu.au. And they can always send me an email. My contact details are there. I'm happy to meet people and talk more about the technology. That's Merlin as in the magician. Yes, this is what we are trying to do. <laughs> well, thanks very much for the show this morning. It's been extremely interesting and it sounds like it's got a, a massive potential in the energy storage market. Thanks for your time today, Professor Francois. You are welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, th- thank you. Thank you, Francois. And if you want to listen to this show or any of the others we have done, then you can go to www.bze.org.au slash media slash radio and you'll find them there. You can also find us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll be back again next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.